0: What's up, folks? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. I'm here uh, with some really great people. We're going to have a great discussion on the text for the second week of Advent. Oh, we're just getting into this new Christian year. So I want to always introduce my good friend, Brooke Lawrence. Hello, Brooke. How are you doing this morning? It's morning for us. And and how are you doing this morning, Brooke?
1: Um, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, cool. it's early.
0: It, it feels for early. me.
1: It's, it's, it's
0: earliest. Um, let me also introduce a good friend who's also part of Studio Wesley, Michael Yurk. Michael, how are you doing?
2: Doing good. My awesome. dog is having a slumber party, so I didn't have to wake up to walk her, which is nice.
0: <laughs> you know, and my cat ran out the house. We have our stories. That's that's uh, that's a beautiful thing. Michael is actually the person that will be editing and producing this episode all the episodes and we're grateful for him so glad he's here and then my good friend jess who was a part of season one and just really grateful that he is here Jess, how you doing this morning
3: i am doing fantastic i'm just really glad that my agent could get this uh, very extensive gig back on my schedule feeling very loved and important today i hope you are all as well
0: The size of the check we had to write to get Jess in the Zoom room today, y'all, incredible. Don't even understand, like half. Yes, half the budget, but you know what? It's worth it because he's going to bring gold today. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive right in. So, friends, let's pray. Oh God, I give you praise for the second week of Advent and the text we get to discuss together. Um, I pray that those who are uh, listening, watching, would be inspired to, to dig into the text for themselves, to see what you have to say to them. And just as we discuss today, I pray that your spirit would uh, just move through the Zoom room and out into all of the digital spaces. We give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends. Well, we are discussing today Romans fifteen, Isaiah eleven, Psalm seventy two, and Matthew chapter three. Again, diving into uh, the second week of Advent, and I get to start with the Romans text, which apparently I always get the Romans text, which isn't true because if you go back to says se- season two, episode one, Advent one, uh, you'll see that I didn't do the Romans text, but it's fine. It's cool. I'm going to do the Romans text today, all right? So here here go, obviously not reading the whole thing, but let me just read two verses for us um, as we start this discussion, okay? So whatever was written in the past was written, this is Romans 15, verse four. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we can have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other Similar to Christ Jesus's attitude. Okay, there's there's a lot that I love about these two verses um, in this week's text, the New Testament text. But I'll just say that I think as it relates to Advent, there is this need to go back so that we might go forward. And you know, this is what this is what the text says, right? What was written in the past was written for our instruction. I remember I was talking to a friend who had this really just weird moment that we were a part of. And my friend was um, sort of wrestling with some things that had happened, like in the past, in the way that are sort of showing up in the moment. And I said to them, they were really, a, they were really sort of just uh, in a, in their feelings because they didn't know what to do about the past. And and I said to them, you you do realize that we we look at the past, we discuss the past, we we dig up the past, not because we can fix it but because it is literally about where we're going from here. And I, and I, I think that at times we get locked in the, the things that have happened b- before, the past things, we get locked there and we just sort of are living those things, reliving those things. But really the purpose of the hashing it out, the purpose of working through it is really to push us in a direction. And so I think that this text is super appropriate for Advent because advent for us um is the beginning of the year it is not the end of the year as the 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 regul the you know the sort of the Gregorian I think it is calendar or the 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 calendar we use sort of on the ground but advent's the beginning and so we are looking back but we're looking back for the sake of going forward which I think brings a different kind of energy a different kind of intent it it um it asks different questions, and we do different things with that information. Whereas if we're just rehashing the past for the sake of the past, I think that we will get locked there. We won't. There won't be any forward movement. There's no even ex- expectation of forward movement. I love what Paul is saying here. Paul is expecting these Christians to endure. Paul is expecting them to be encouraged was that word encouraged in the Greek is literally to pour courage into like you pour water into a cup so literally like Paul is expecting this conversation about the past to actually yes push them forward and so I hope that when we think about these these prophecies in the old testament when we think about um the ways in which the world has not been the world that it could be that we don't get so locked in that conversation, but realize that that conversation about the past is literally to give us fuel to go forward. Okay. Those are my thoughts. Um, Jess, Michael, Brooke, what do, what do you guys have to say? Um, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. It's all good.
3: No, awesome. I love it. I mean, I've, I've missed these conversations, so I'm I'm all hopping first, but There, there just reminds me of just the the simple fact. I was talking to a a good friend of mine who's going through some rough stuff a couple days ago, and we talked about how, as people, right, God designed us to want to make meaning. And so often, like we think through, and like so, like therapy and things are so important, so helpful because we think about the situations that we're going through, the situation we've been through, and how can we make meaning of it, right? There's something that is like comforting about making meaning. But if your making meaning isn't producing hopeful movement, right, and this is kind of what I said, like it. It makes you almost feel less. Right. And the whole point of making meaning is not to say, oh, this happened for this point or whatever. And then now I'm just stuck here and this is just life. No, it, it's it's making meaning to see that there is a hopeful path forward. Right. And that's what this whole text exactly what you point out to. And it just hit me the whole time. I was thinking of that conversation. with My friend, I was like, man, I need to send him this because that's exactly the, the the fact, right? Like we don't look at the past to just go, oh, woe is me or oh, what, whatever this is. And that even may be true and important to have those feelings. But how can we eventually make that meeting into this hopeful, this is where we were, but this is now where we can go. This is, this is what's around me. This is what's in front of me. And making that meeting on that path, I think, just brings a lightness to the situation that God desires for us. And so I, I love that you brought that up. I'm super thankful.
0: Michael, uh, Michael Brook, you yo, got yo, anything you want to add to it? Uh.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I, um, yeah, it's, um, I love hearing you talk, Derek, you, you like talked about how like your style is to just like hop in with a sermon. And I was like, yeah, like, that's like the thing Derek does with his sermons. Like he just like says something and you're like, wow, like <laughs> that's really beautiful. Um, I um, I am in a new phase of my life, I guess, where like I'm trying to do, <laughs> um, I think I've, um, yeah, I'm like trying to do forward motion. So I've kind of just been in a, I don't know, like gathering strength phase of my life. Um, so not forward motion, but now I'm like applying to grad school. And like my next year might be really different from the last four years. Um, and as I do that, I find it, I find this text and what you said really encouraging, Derek. Um, I, have, um, I have PTSD and a big part of my last four years has been like healing from trauma um, and trying to like reevaluate my relationship to the past where like the past has been Really painful for me, and coming to peace with that, and finding joy in that, and mending that relationship has been important. Um, and you know, like I'm into all that spiritual stuff. That's like right now is like the most important moment, um, which I also struggle with. But I, um, I really appreciate this reminder that in scripture, according to this text, in scripture the idea is that we use the past to move forward. Like what we're looking to is the future. Um, like Paul isn't exactly like thinking about like 21st century Christians, but in the way he is, he is thinking about the future of the church and what happens moving forward. And I just feel um, inspired to continue to be a part of that even in um, the little big things I'm doing with my own life.
2: Yeah I'm just curious like the the opening line of this that like all the instructions are in the past or whatever I just wonder how many times that's been used in a negative way (laughs) that's just the impulse that comes to this when I read that I'm like oh no don't say that but that's yeah that's why I love I love just pointing out that like the the fruitful nature of it or working through if we don't have like a goal to get somewhere Um, which I, I feel like when we say call to perseverance which is what I'm reading here like persevering through that through the things in the old or just like learning from the old. I don't know. I'm just repeating a lot of things because I went last. That's my own fault. but yeah, yeah, good stuff.
0: awesome. So so good. thanks for those comments, friends. Well Brooke, take us into Isaiah eleven.
1: Oh, um Isaiah eleven last time I had to read a psalm and I really don't like the psalm, so that was that was an experience. and this time it um. I've been doing a lot of those, like, Bible in a year reading plans. I say I've been doing a lot of them because, like, I never make it all the way through, right? So, like, I'll, like, vaguely, like, I have a vague idea of a lot of Bible books, but, like, (laughs) I don't really quite know what's going on in most of them. Um, So, I have this idea, right? Like, I like Isaiah. I really like Isaiah. I'm, like, why? Why do I like Isaiah? Um, And surely there's parts of Isaiah that, like, won't resonate with me like this But I I really do appreciate this passage it's one of those passages like I've heard over and over but I um it really is beautiful to me so I'm going to read Isaiah 11 through 3 11 1 through 3 and um and this is in the voice bible um I had to switch translations because the first one didn't sound good but we'll see we'll see how this goes um But on this humble ground, a tiny shoot, hopeful and promising, will sprout from Jesse's stump. A branch will emerge from his roots to bear fruit. And on this child from David's line, the spirit of the eternal one will alight and rest. By the spirit of wisdom and discernment, he will shine like the dew. By the spirit of counsel and strength, he will judge fairly and act courageously. By the spirit of knowledge and reverence of the eternal one he will take pleasure in honoring the eternal. He will determine fairness and equity. He will consider more than what meets the eye and weigh in more than what he's told. Um, I'm a person. Um, the people in my life know this very well because I talk about it a lot. Um, I've really been struggling in the past few years with like, what is Jesus's personality like? Like I, I believe and when I experience Jesus. I experience Jesus as like a really loving, kind person who cares about me. Whew, but when I read the Bible, I see, I don't know, like I see Jesus as someone who, um, he has an interesting personality, right? Like he, he's, um, he's kind of sassy. Like he's kind of short-tempered at times. You know, he's not, um, I, I use this example. There's like one time that I can find where someone tried to hug Jesus, and he was like, "Stop immediately!" He was like, "We're not doing this." I and again, I, I'm open to be, being shown that that's wrong, but um, but I've really been um, like struggling with that. And what people tell me is like, Jesus isn't nice, but Jesus is kind, um, and I I identify as a person who's nice and kind. So sometimes I like struggle with that distinction. Um, But I I love this passage because to me, it frames, um, I guess reading this passage about in the, um, from the, with the lens of looking at it through Jesus's mission, um, like who Jesus is. um, This is a beautiful person that it describes. Um, And I love the words that it uses, the gentle words. And it reminds me to read the text um, kind of, you know, like reading a text message, like you don't always, unless you know that person really well, like you don't always know the tone. So it reminds me to like bring this tone to Jesus's words. Um, I don't know exactly how he sent them, but like this says that Jesus is gentle. This says that Jesus is wise and the counseling like has a spirit of counseling. And when I read, sometimes he says stuff like, you fools, like, I can't, like, I'm going to bed. I can't do this anymore. Sometimes he does say stuff like that. I don't know if he said that in the most patient way, but it reminds me to bring that to the text. Um, the second thing I'm going to say is um, Isaiah 11, 6, a day will come when the wolf will live peacefully beside, oh, beside the wobbly kneed lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the yearling, newborn and slow, will rest secure with the lion, and the little child will tend them all. Um, I did an Advent study a few years ago, right, and we, like, went through these texts, and I'm a vegan. and like, a bad vegan. That's why I say that, like, Yeah, yeah, but I (laughs) but I um, so I do like I love the idea of animals like living together in peace and harmony. You'd think I would love this text, but it always ever since I was a kid like it really bothered me because I was like, it's like, okay, in Zootopia, which is a Disney movie about yeah, y'all know I'm talking about like in Zootopia. I don't know if you have like the rabbit and like the fox, like all these animals, they're living together, but I'm like, okay, but like what do the foxes eat? Like I just can't get past that. And like, what is the food economy of this world? Like, how is it running? Like I ask these questions. So like I read this passage, I know it's a metaphor, right? But like I'm like, I'm like, but how is how is the lion eating? I don't know. I'm like, how does this relationship work on the day-to-day? And I would I'd be interested in like a TV show about that setup, but but I <laughs> moving past that, I, I do think that it is a profound image of these animals. Again, like that wobbly kneed lamb, like wow, <laughs> what an image. Um, but I do appreciate this image of Like, that's part of it, right? Like, this is incomprehensible. Like, these animals should not, in the biblical imagination, like, they should not be allowed to exist harmoniously together. And it reminds me of what we believe about the impossibility of what Christ is doing in the world. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, (laughs) we cannot imagine this happening. Um, under normal circumstances, it is absurd. It is wild, and I feel reminded that that's the type of wild hope that Jesus calls us into—that um, incomprehensible belief that we are invited, um, invited to carry with us in this Advent season.
0: So good, Brooke. Wow, so many thoughts. Michael, Jess, show got any thoughts uh, in response to what Brooke brought? Yeah, first, I just
2: want to comment on the Zootopia metaphor, because I think about this in Lion King in the opening number. They're like all bowing down to the lions and you're like, that seems a little patronizing that we're singing about the circle of life. And you're like bowing down to this lion that's inevitably going to eat you. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I just need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, okay wobbly-kneed lamb i have not heard wobbly-kneed used to describe a lamb in any other scripture i don't know if that's common or if that's just the voice translation but i love that because i feel like the lamb is terrified that's why their knees are wobbly they're absolutely terrified cuz the wolf is there and this shouldn't be happening and then it puts the onus on the wolf to like make it peaceful for the lamb like the onus is now on the wolf and not the lamb like the lamb is terrified and it's the wolf's job to be like Hey, we're gonna live peacefully together. This is gonna be fine. That that's that's that that just popped in my brain. Okay, that's all.
3: Nah, that, that's awesome. I think that's that's. I've never definitely never thought of it that way because you know I, I'm pretty sure Wobbly Need is only in the voice, and which is not one that I read out like usually but that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful point, Michael. And, um, and yeah, bro, I just, re- I really loved your vulnerability in that. So thank you for sharing all those different things. And, and it's interesting because I remember, um, and I'm, I, I don't know how long ago, but I'm, I'm feeling old now that I'm reminiscing in my head. But, uh, back when I, I used to, when I was first reading through the Bible, like it really seriously, when I was going through college and, um, that same struggle that you kind of talked about of like this different sides of Jesus and like. Oh, like I'm, you know, my whole life I've been told like, you got to be patient with people. You can't get angry. You can't do whatever. And then Jesus is flipping tables or there's things about like killing the wicked or even in this passage, you know, like the rod of his mouth will strike the, strike the earth. And I remember having a real rough time with that for a long time. And I think a lot of people do. And I think it's, it's good to say that it's okay for those to be hard or to take that in questions. And even like, I don't know if I even like that, right? Like God is big enough to accept all those things. Um, but I was having a conversation with a, with a good friend of mine, um, and they, they're they uh, a Jewish friend actually of mine whose, I think it was grandparents were in the Holocaust, and he remembers telling me, um, because he, we we're having this conversation, and I was talking about faith and Jesus and different things, and, and he was a very receptive person. And he was like, well, you know what's interesting about vengeance and about intensity and, and these moments of Jesus is it always depends on what side of justice you're looking at because for the person who's being oppressed and for the person who's being beaten down justice doesn't look like a meek person who's like it's okay be patient sometimes it looks like a man with a rod coming out of his mouth and and that kind of hit me just really hard and so w- w- for the people listening to this you know wherever space you're in if you're someone who needs a Jesus that is a little bit short tempered and is fighting for justice for you and is is not happy that you're being oppressed like there's that Jesus for you and if you're the the person who needs to be a little bit more patient and needs to not be so angry and try to have your way, Jesus is there to remind you that that's the way of the kingdom of God as well. And so, so yeah, I, I think that's really beautiful. And I just I just really hope that people will engage with that that real wrestling, that vulnerable question, just like you did, Brooke. So thank you so much for leading us in that.
2: Can I can I jump in on that real quick? Yeah, dude, I I think that's incredible. I love that. I love hearing that so much. Just I come from like a theater background, so it's all about like the interpretation you put on the character. And anytime I read like biblical scriptures, I read everybody in the Bible with a specific personality, and then like Jesus is like a blank slate. Like they're they're just this walking body that I have not put a like a persona to. Because yeah, I mean, I think I think. It's very beneficial and very helpful for that, for the the person of Jesus to be that slate that you can. I don't want to say project onto, but it's like, yeah, what 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 do I need in this moment? And then that that is what Jesus can be. And yeah, I I just think that's awesome that you put
0: words to that. That's amazing. Such rich discussion. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
1: If we haven't met, my name is Allison, and I'm here to talk to you about one of the resources that we have to offer at The Wellness Project. The Wellness Project has two new cohorts starting this spring, and you should definitely join us. A cohort is a mental health module that has been designed by campus ministers and students on our design team. The first cohort is titled Mental Health Overview, and it's exactly what it sounds like. There are eight sessions total, and each session covers a different topic on mental health and wellness to give you a general overview of what those topics are. The second cohort is called Peer Support,
2: and that's four sessions all to do with peer support. We would love to have you join us, and if you'd like to sign up, go to studiosley.org slash project.
3: I wear Derek like a backpack. I just throw him right over my shoulders at, at annual conference, and I just carry him around, you know, and it's fun.
0: Jess is actually talking about uh the sheep that he, the lamb, the wobbly kneed lamb that he brings yep. to annual conference. So welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to Studio Wesley Annex. And we are going to keep going here uh with uh Psalm 72. And Michael is going to take us down that road. So uh go for it, my dude.
2: Yeah. I had Psalms 72, verses 1 through 7, and then we threw in 18 and 19, just to give it a nice little bow at the end. Uh, I'll I'll read part of this just so we know where we're we're headed. Uh, True God, bestow your honest judgments upon the king and anoint the king's son with your righteousness. May he be honest and fair in his judgments over your people and offer justice to your burdened and suffering. Under his reign, may this land of mountains and hills know peace and experience justice for all the people. May the king offer justice to the burdened and suffering, rescue the poor and needy, and demolish the oppressor. Uh, so there's lots of beautiful language in this. That, sound, that sounds like incredible, which we'll definitely get into. I also, sorry, I just have to read this verse because I loved it. Uh, may the king be the refreshing rains which fall upon fields of freshly mowed grass like showers that cool and nourish the earth. Because... i I can smell that bible verse which is like a sense that i don't engage with often and i love that um so i give permission to anybody in this to like call me out if i say something that's not biblically accurate because i'm just taking stabs here and you all know more than me um that being said uh this is this one's called the song of solomon um and it very much feels like solomon's testament for the next generation like to me this is all about like the father-son lineage too it's like not only like put this upon the the current king, but also like the next era, like the next king, and so on and so forth. So, if I were to like look at this, sorry, this is going to be a long tangent. If I were to like look at this and try to make this accessible with my theater background, I'm like contextualizing this as like where would you see like why this, why this? And the first thing that comes to mind is like it's like. Solomon's son's birthday like and he's feeling extra emotional and he's like, I just gotta like give you all this for your future. The other scenario which I would see is like Solomon's son is like being a really bad King or a bad child, like I don't know, he's playing with Hot Wheels and he's crashing them into buildings, and the buildings are falling down. And he's like, "Ha, you deserved it!" And Solomon's like, "Oh God, um, God, please make my son rule with righteousness. That would be so much, you know. Under his reign, let all this good stuff, justice for people, no suffering. You know, like totally making up for that." Um, what I'm what I see with this though, or what I hear is, I wonder about like parental wishes for their children being an apology for their past. So like I'm wishing better of my child's reign or like I'm wishing that they reign with the love of God and like the judgment of God, because I may have made mistakes in the past. Uh, I don't know the biblical accuracy of that, but I do, I do wonder if there's any air of apology in this of like, I'm wishing for a better future because I see the pitfalls or the downfalls of my own past. Um, just something i wanted to throw out there um looking back at some of this beautiful imagery prosperity to the people um save the children of the needy and then obviously this rain falling on a moan field moan field um yeah i don't know there there's like beautiful imagery of like bad things are happening and we want to pursue and get better in the future and uh i just would I don't know. Like, what's the, what's the past of this? Like, why, where are we going with that? Um, Also like, it feels so much about like connecting God to the King. And then at the very end in verses 18 and 19, we say, um, may the eternal God, the God of Israel be blessed for he alone works, miracles and wonders. Like he doesn't need you, but it would be awesome for you guys to be on the same page because you're like the representative in this situation. Um, And I, I think that's, that's a nice way to end it of like, Oh, by the way, like, just to go back, like we don't—we don't actually need the the man, the human side of this, but like it would be awesome. It like imagine all the things we could do if they did work together. Um, but God can do it by by themselves. Just to clarify, <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. I, I hope that was there's some sort of consistency there,
0: Michael. That was great. I mean, of of many things, the fact that you said you could smell that text i mean i just think that the the ways that smell it smells take us back to scenes and put us in different places like i just loved that thought um and just these images that you that you put in front of us from this text from the Psalm text it's just so good
2: i wonder if that's why like i got so hung up on this like father son element too because like a a moan like a mode lawn feels like a dad thing too it's just like like we mowed the grass smell of like cut grass like Mm. father-son i don't know the new balance is covered with grass it's a whole thing
0: wow so good brooke jess y'all got any thoughts
3: absolutely um so i i love that i think that you know you talked about us knowing more than you but i think you just gave a perfect example to everyone out there that you know, everyone has the ability to have incredible insights and just connections with the scripture text. It's one of the most beautiful things about it. So thank you for that, Mike. And and what's hilarious about it is I'm I'm definitely not um, as read up on my um, history of the kings of Israel as I used to be. Um, but I am I'm when you were talking about uh, a father's prayer and him praying, just like God, please, <laughs> like my son is destroying things with Hot Wheels and being proud of it. Like that is definitely what. Uh, Solomon's sons and the kings after Solomon were were known for they weren't they weren't the best of kings they were slowly getting worse um, throughout time supposedly and so what I think is really interesting is like um, like I don't know if that's if Solomon had that insight um, but when you read some of the things that we attribute to him at least like Ecclesiastes you see that there is this this line of regret of a lot of things that that he did or a lot of things that people in power just fall into. Um, and and that's why I think this this psalm for me is really beautiful of like, this is the hope and the prayer and it is for the king. But it's also an understanding, especially for us, right, with that looking back in order to make meaning going forward, um, that no human king is able to do it. And so we strive, as as we know, with God to do the best we can accepting those limitations trying to be the one who like in verse four you know defends the poor and takes up the cause of the needy like however at the end of the day like our our hope doesn't come from our own kings or from the own people in power but from this god whose end goal and ultimate goal is for that righteousness that peace that justice to flow and so how do we how do we empower and and confide and trust in the leaders around us whether those are pastors or or friends or ourselves to to be the people of God to do these motions while still holding on to the hope that it's not about our own strength when we can't do it um and so yeah I I just love the way that this passage does that I think you point to that that beauty of of how vivid that is because in the end at the end of the day it is real life like you can smell these passages because in our real life, like when you're walking through a mown field, like can you smell it and remember that God's desires for justice, you know, and and that's just something that like I try to to imagine and hope. Um, but yeah, but I just I just love that. I think that it was some really great insights and, and and things to to sit on. So thank you.
1: I um I grew up Catholic and. Um, One of my experiences of being Catholic, I don't think this is like everyone's experience of being Catholic, but for me, I really felt like like God and the stories in the Bible were elevated onto this plane that was above the human existence plane that I was on, where I, I received the message that I was encouraged to not relate to scripture because that's above me. I And that's like very specific to me. Like, I don't don't think everyone gets that experience um, within Catholicism, but it's very vulnerable and new for me to relate to the text and to connect the text to my own life. Um, Because like, there's that part of me that's like, oh, no, like, this is like, not about me, you know, like taking that scholarly approach of like, this is about a very specific thing. And like, it's not about my experience, but I, um, I know you grew up in Methodism, Mike, I think, am I right? Yeah. Like I remember. Yes. No,
2: no I, I grew up Baptist actually.
1: Oh my gosh. We were roommates. I'm so sorry. I, You grew up Protestant. Okay. And you grew up in a different world in a different part of Florida than I did and um not that I lived in like the Catholic part of Florida but um yeah I um I feel inspired by your vulnerability you're like the way that you like comfortably relate to like oh yeah like this reminds me of when I used to mow the lawn and I really feel encouraged to like keep reading the Bible and keep bringing my own associations into the text and going deeper into it and thinking like, um, this sounds like a father talking to his son. Like, how does that resonate with my, my wishes towards children, um, my desire for future generations, um, and to keep like touching the text in that way. And I, um, I really appreciate your thoughts and engagement, Mike.
0: So, so good. All right. Well, we're about to land this plane and Jess is uh, going to take us to Matthew 3. So take it away, my friend.
3: That's right, Matthew three. So this is verses one through twelve. I would encourage anyone if you sat through this so far, we're so thankful for you. But I would encourage you to grab a Bible and read it for yourself because it really is a beautiful passage. Um, and and of course Matthew, we're in the Gospels, um, and Matthew three is is one of the the big. Uh, it was so funny. I was on TikTok last night and it was like someone did a New Testament draft and they're drafting characters. And um, one of the the guy took John the Baptist as like his second pick, which I was like, that's kind of high. But, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> and so I was reading this. and I was like, man, that's just really, really kind of crazy that now I'm doing this talk on, on John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist plays such a small role in this grand story, but it's so pivotal. And, and I often think about that, like my, my first point that I, that really hit me and it was super encouraging, and I hope that's encouraging for some of you, is that sometimes our our lives or our roles in life seem so small and meaningless and tiny um, but you don't truly know the effect you have on the people around you and on and on the story of history. And in part of believing in a God that is bigger than us, a God whose love and, and desire and like the grand narrative of Genesis through Revelation is for this like all-consuming love, this fulfillment, this unity, is that by being a part of something that is so much bigger than us we ourselves are then elevated and and expounded, right? This is why like being made co-heirs with Christ and all all this imagery that seems so far off. And and like, Brooke, you're talking about like feeling above you. Like so much of my life felt that way. But the reality is, is that part of the the beauty of this is that like God's desire is for you to feel that connection and to feel like the little things you do truly make a difference. Because if, if you bring food to one person who's hungry, it's like saving the nations, right? Like this is why Jesus says these things like, what you do the least of these, you do it unto me. And so like, wherever you are in life, the little things that you're doing, like they, they matter and they're valid. And I think John the Baptist story really hits this hard. And what's even crazier to me about it is when you read this passage specifically, like it makes no sense to me why John the Baptist is such a big deal. Right? So John the Baptist is literally says his whole message in verse uh, two is just repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, you know, I know like, ...cultural context, there's a lot of important things that we don't understand, and I'm sure there's a lot more that John said that's not written down, right? But for Matthew, right, the whole point of John's story is just repent for the kingdom of of heaven has come near. Now... Most of you go to colleges, or if you've been to colleges, or you at least heard this, or maybe seen on movies, where like there's a person standing on a megaphone in the corner, just yelling at people as they walk past, like, Repent, you're going to hell, or both, you know, whatever. They have these, you know, horrible signs, they say these nasty things, blah, blah. And we are like, That is not someone that people like to hang out with. It's not someone that we think represents us. It's not. And so there's something different about what John is saying here versus what we are experiencing or what we even read when we see repent for the kingdom of heaven is here you know and 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 that really struck me of like well why why was it drawing crowds why were people going out of their way it says all of people from all over judea were going out of their way to walk to to john and he was a man wearing clothing of camel's hair a leather belt around his waist and his food was just locusts and wild honey right And, and part of that is because of the fact that that uh, john the baptist was a a Nazarite, right but part of it's also like he's a strange person he's doing different things he's living out in the woods and he's authentically himself he's being true to who he is he he, there's a, a bit of spectacle maybe people are going out because it's like a circus they want to see it but that's not why they're staying and that's definitely not why they're being baptized or they're diving into it so there's something about this call for repentance for the kingdom of heaven has come near that he reads in verse 2 that is this hopeful, desiring, connecting to a part of ourselves that says, you know what? Although, like, I am who I am, life is going through, like, there are things about me that I wish could be transformed. There are things about me that I wish could be made new. And it's okay to say, like, you know what? I've made mistakes, and there's a God who's love for me. Is so all consuming. It may not be the mistakes that people are calling me out. It may not be all these things that people are putting on me for guilt and shame or whatever. But there's something in me and I'm like, you know what, God sees who I am and knows what I need. And, and I love God for this. And and I will turn myself into that moment, even if it means following a crazy dude wearing camel's clothes and eating wild hunkus. Or maybe it means hanging out with people like Derek and Jess, you know, on college campuses. But there's something about this message that it's not condemning, but it's life-giving. And so for us, as we as we continue to move forward, as, as we find ourselves in faith, or maybe you're someone who's in deconstructing parts of faith, or maybe you're in places of, of finding newness in life, what does it mean that the offer of repentance is not one of, hey, be ashamed, be guilty of who you are and change, but one of, hey, I love you who you are. But you can continue to grow on this forward progression and what that means for you in a beautiful way that God is revealing to you. And don't be afraid of that transformation. But how do we step into it? And so um, I hope that wherever you are in that journey, that you you take these words and you see that the little differences, the little things you can do can make huge lasting impacts in God. And that God's desire for you is not to condemn or hold you into this, this place of conformity, but a place of transformation and newness. So that is what I get out of Matthew
0: 3. The Reverend Jess Williams, everybody. Oh man, so good. Michael Brooke, you have got any thoughts?
1: Yes, I <laughs> trying to just jump in. Um I um I've been um I'm always um Our CCW pastor, Haley, says, um, I mean, I say it, she's like, Brooke, like, you're always on a journey. Like, I'm always wanting to, um, and always like, oh, like, I need to be transformed in this way. Um, Like, at our Friendsgiving, I was like, I'm starting my peanut butter jelly journey, like, (laughs) because I have have a lot of dietary problems, (laughs) like, I'll let you know what it's like on the other side. Like I'm always like, oh, like I've got um, I've got to go through the, I'm like always in the cocoon, right? Like I'm <laughs> I'm never like a butterfly. Like I'm always like munching my little leaf. Um and that really um texts like these really bring me to that place where it's like repent for the kingdom of God is near. And I feel like when John says that in the text he is talking about it as, like, an instantaneous thing, like, uh, you're gonna do this, and, like, then, then you'll, like, be ready for the kingdom of God, and yet, like, I don't think that's the story, right, like, I think John is human, right, I think, like, John is having to repent, like, John, I mean, not, not repent, but I mean, like, John, I don't know, and John is, like, living his own life right? Like Jesus isn't out there eating insects. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't know, I'm getting into weird territory. I'm not saying it's wrong, <laughs> but I'm saying like John is on his own journey too. Like John is also not a perfect person. His disciples are not perfect people. If we know anything about Jesus's disciples is that they're not perfect people. So I feel like when Jesus is Baptized, of course, like Jesus doesn't need to repent. I imagine, like (laughs) Jesus is the kingdom of God, right? But if we're talking about this tradition of followers of Jesus being baptized, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think it's ever been a like, oh, now you're perfect, now you're gonna totally follow it. Like, it's an everyday choice. And I love your emphasis, Jess, on the small, on the little things every day um and that really encourages me to think about that and also i've been um wobbling around with like how to take in criticism um and like how to value criticism from different sources Um, and i have this foundation like ultimately my direction, um, I can be kind of spiritual, like comes from the Holy Spirit. Like if the Holy Spirit like speaks to me and I have a really guilty conscience, right? Like I like, I, like if the Holy Spirit is like broke, like that's something you need to work on. Like I know that's something I need to work on. Um, and if someone, I mean, like I have a problem with John eating insects and honey, like that doesn't sound very vegan to me. Um but i um but like the i'm sure from the little i understand like john represents a minority ideology in his time and place right there's a lot of people looking at john going like i don't know what's going on there and yet despite what i said earlier john is following god's will for him god is doing what i john is doing what god needs him to do um and trying trying to discern and it's hard because like we don't have like our cousin Jesus that's like hey like John like cut that out like it's, it's harder to discern than I'm sure it was like for John I imagine but um but really trying to lean into like um what criticism is from the world in a way that's not from God and how can I zero in on
2: what God is calling for me in this moment. I don't, I don't have, <clears throat> I'm still, I'm still processing this one. So the, I don't have as many, as many thoughts on this. I I will say like, I, I get really excited about these like modern day relations to scripture and seeing, seeing John here as this, like, as that, the, the like crier on the, like, on the college campus. Like it does resonate a lot. And I think, and I think it also like makes us have to work work harder to like justify this person or not justify them. But like it, it just makes you have to work harder with the fact that it's working, which like which which you definitely mentioned, Jess, of like, oh, this is working. How on earth with that like modern day connection, uh, which I think is really cool. I yeah, I just I don't know. I get really excited about that. I don't have process thoughts on that, but, you know, that's definitely it's just exciting.
0: I love it. Gosh, you know, I, as I think about just where we've been um, this these few minutes together, I just wonder, particularly as it relates to Advent, the 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 encouragement, I think, no, let me say it this way, at least for me, when I think about where we're headed, the coming of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom, uh, and the ways that I hope that God is going to make all things right. That you know it's gonna right the wrongs, it's going to put the world to rights, as NT Wright says. Um, I, I always think about it in terms of what God's going to do. That God's going to be the one to figure this out. God's going to be the one to do to, 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 to fix it, to render judgments, to, you know. But what I hear in the text this week are encouragements and admonitions that actually there's something that we do to contribute to the coming of of the reign of Christ in the world you know and and so it it is the paul telling us to let these past instructions push us right into being specific types of people for the glory of god it is it is uh, the the psalm for Solomon, depending on how you, whether it's Solomon thinking about his dad and these are words for him or Solomon thinking about his kids. Like it is this, it's like, you go be a very specific type of king, right? It's it's the Isaiah text. Like this is the world that we're moving to and how can we start co-creating it? And even when it comes to John the Baptist, this coming of the kingdom Requires something of us. It isn't something that we just spectate. It isn't something that we simply watch. It is something that we participate in, and it's a, both a physical participation and it's a heart participation. It, that that it's the don't just act differently. Be be different. And so I wonder how Advent. And I've never thought about this in connection to Advent, um, but I feel like I should have. I wonder how Advent, the spirit of Advent. Calls us to be different people in the world as our expectations are being raised, as the anticipation is being stirred, as we prepare to receive yet again the gift that is Jesus. How that actually calls us to not just sing the Christmas hymn hymns, but to be the 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 Christmas people, um, and so. With that, I hope that 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 my that was my attempt of tying all of our texts in together um, in today's episode. Really grateful for my friends here, and uh, I want to invite Jess to close us in prayer.
3: Absolutely, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly God, Creator of all, we come before you, thankful for the gift of this day and this time. Lord, may we be reminded with each breath that we breathe in. That your hope still reigns. That God, as we enter into this journey with you, with each new day, as we as we enter into this journey with you, whatever that's um, starting our peanut butter journeys or dealing into our repentance journeys or wherever we find ourselves, God, uh, Lord, you meet us exactly where we are. You call us to look into the past, not to be stuck, but to find ways forward. As we search these scriptures, Lord, we we pray that you continue to move in our hearts that we may find this life abundant that you have given us. God, we thank you that you are not just asking us to be spectators, but to be participants. That, Lord, you love us so much that you trust us and you guide us and you cheer us on. God, fill us with courage. With each and every day, we, we may see the newness of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven here, now, and forevermore. We love you we praise you in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Oh, wow. Michael, Brooke, Jess, thanks so much for joining us today. Such a rich discussion of the text. Really grateful for all of you who are listening and are watching. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Studio Annex. Be well, my friends. Peace.